I'd like to welcome all of you by way of live stream and radio wherever you are around the world. And I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us here at Joshua Baptist Church. We're studying and preaching through the book of Mark today. We're at Mark chapter number 8. If you would take your Bible there and turn there, if you would please. Well, I tell you, that staff is coming up with stuff. I wonder what I'm going to preach. I'm looking at that and I don't have an idea. what. I guess I'll do that though. You know, the general idea today is that God is difficult to find and that God is a great big God playing hide and seek with everybody. And if we're real lucky, we'll be the one that finds him. But that's a father saying the truth. He came searching for us and he's the one that's doing the looking. And he's the one that hadn't moved. You know, somebody would say, well, I don't know why God would do this. Hey, God hadn't moved. We are the ones who have moved. Uh, Adam moved out of the garden, did he not? And took Eve with him, did he not? And they've been outside of the garden ever since. When me and you were born, we were born outside the garden. Our problem is, how do we get back in? So I want you to take a look in your Bible today to the book of Mark chapter number 8, and we'll be studying the latter part of the chapter 8. But I want you to notice uh, where we've gone, what we've learned, what we've seen, because this will have a lot to do with what is done today. You notice in Acts chapter, I mean in Mark chapter number 6, Jesus shows himself walking on the water. Now, I don't know if that would trip your trigger or help you anything or not. But uh, if I'd have been on the boat and I'd have seen somebody coming through the midst and the, and the spray in the night and I, walking on the water, there'd been somebody else walking on the other side. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, I guess I'm not as spiritual as some, you know, I wouldn't have said, well, praise God. Hallelujah. Look at here comes Jesus walking on the water. That's not what they said. They said, it's a ghost. <laughs> it's a spirit. It scared them to death. And in, Chapter number six, we see our Lord magnificently walking on the water. And uh, man, you'd think somebody that witnessed that wouldn't forget it so quick. And then you notice in Acts chapter number seven, verse 24, uh, he's confronted with a a girl, a child with an evil spirit. Now, I think there's plenty of them around today. Teenagers, I mean, not, no, not, uh, but uh, uh, a child that was completely out of control, demon possessed by a while, by an evil spirit, and and the Lord took care of that and cast the, the evil spirit out, and and uh, then in chapter number six, I mean seven, verse thirty-one, he heals a deaf and dumb person, and then in act in chapter number eight, he feeds four thousand. 4,000 folk with just a few loaves and a few fishes. And in verse number 9, they had plenty left over and they that had eaten were about 4,000 men only. Women and children could have been as many as 12,000. Now notice verse 10. And straightway, that means pretty quick. Didn't linger. 
Didn't have to work overtime. Didn't have an excuse. And straightway after he had fed the multitudes with just a few loaves and a few fishes, he entered into a ship with his disciples and came to the parts of Dalmutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. Now, what do you think all those others was but a sign from heaven? Not minutes ago, hours at least, he just multiplied the fish and the loaves and fed 15,000 or so. A couple hours later, we need a sign. Have you ever heard of faith amnesia? We are real good at forgetting how good God was yesterday. So we got to help him a little bit today with worrying about how we're going to handle today. And the Bible said sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Don't you dare give yourself a nervous breakdown. Worrying about tomorrow's problems with today's grace. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Here these folks have witnessed a miracle working God. Only God could do the things that he's done. And they come to him now not uh, not uh, 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 maybe curious. That's not the word question. The word question, they came with an argumentative spirit. They want to. Show him he's not who he says he is. Now verse 11. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them. Get that last phrase. And he left them. And he left them. The Bible says, God's spirit shall not always strive with man. There is a time in every person's life when God says, that's it. And he left them. Well, I got plenty of time, you say. That's what they said. Amen. All we need is just a few questions answered. All we need is just you hang something out yonder in the sky and then maybe send a miracle, you know, Jesus said, I wonder what they thought that five, that 4,000 deal was. And I wonder what they thought about the 5,000 deal was. And I wonder what they thought about me walking on the water. Has everybody else seen somebody walking on the water? And he left them. Now notice, that's the Pharisees. That's the religious crown. Blind. The blindness of unbelief. I just don't believe who you say you are. So evidently that little deal with the 4,000 must have been a gimmick. Maybe somebody, a sleight of hand, maybe. Uh, 
We sure got good forgetters, do we not? Well, now, you know, I believe the devil crowd is blind. How about you? I I believe the liberal crowd is blind. I I just believe there's a vast amount of blindness across America. But what about in the church? And the Bible goes on to say, and uh, verse 13, And he left them and entered into the ship again, departing to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten. Did you ever forget anything? Did the wife ever send you to the store to get something? And you come back. And she in a Christ-like manner says, Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Not a time to testify now. I will offer another And now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, Is it because we have no bread? And when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. Now he's talking to saved folk, disciples. And having ears, hear not. And do you not remember? When I break... Five loaves among 5,000. How many baskets full of fragments took you up? They signed him 12. And he says, and you're worried about a loaf? I can feed 5,000 with just a few loaves. and You fellas all hung up about feeding 13 with one loaf? Is anybody here? Has God been good to you in the past? Well, he can handle the loaf you got today, too. Well, you don't understand. This loaf I got's got rocks in it. He can turn them rocks into anything he wants. Isn't it the blindness of, oh, I don't know how in the world we're going to get through this. Same way he got through it with him the last time. So I don't know how in the world we're going to eat next week. We only got one loaf. Jesus said, if you forgot the 5,000, did you forget the 4,000? And how much was left over? And then he says, it's amazing. And then he says, verse 21, and he saith unto them, how is it that you do not understand? Oh, yes, we know that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herod, and all his religious and pet political crowd, we know they're blind to the things of God. We actually know that they do not believe, the atheists do not believe, the agnostics, they don't know what to believe, so they don't believe. They just believe anything that they want to believe. And uh, we know that crowd is having problems with unbelief and blindness, but not us. Not us. We're saved. 
Not us. We've come to Calvary. Not us. We believe in the Word. We believe the Word was, was God. We believe the Word became flesh. We believe that the Word turned uh, the water to the wine. We believe all the miracles yesterday. But I kind of doubt he can handle today. I wonder maybe, do you understand that God is in control? Do you understand that Jesus knew how much bread was on the boat? And do you understand if he didn't have any trouble feeding 15,000 with a few loaves? This is just petty cash, 13 with one loaf. And they were so busy thinking about loaves and fishes and food, they missed their spiritual warning that Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I wonder how many of us are so busy minding our one little loaf. We're blind. To what God is trying to do in our life. I wonder if it's a possibility. That anybody here today. Could have the philosophy of philosophy of the world. Seeing is believing. But God's philosophy is believing is seeing. How many of you think maybe it's got that turned around? Well, if I could just see, I, 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 you know, I, I can't count it. I can't. It's not, I, I wonder, is there anybody here today would just be willing to trust God once and for all? And quit worrying about it. Quit pouting about it. Quit talking about it. Quit gossiping about it. And just say, all right, if this is the loaf we're going to eat, I'm in the boat. Jesus, just go ahead and take care of the food. You see, we have a problem. The problem you'll see in verses 11 through 13. And the problem is the blindness of unbelief. Unbelief cannot see what God is doing. Unbelief cannot see what God has done. Unbelief cannot see whether God is pleased or displeased with us at this very moment. Notice, if you would please, in verse number 11, the blindness, absolute blindness of unbelief. Not hours before, you've got to know that the news is out that the man who's running the Friday night diner And cooking fish and bread for everybody. You have to admit that has to be common news. You've got to admit that in that area, it's got to be word of mouth. Everybody's talking about the man who is turning water to wine, multiplying fish, walking on the water, healing the blind, running demons out of people. You've got to admit, ladies and gentlemen, that had to be common knowledge. But yet, 
Yet, they could not see it because of their unbelief. They came to Jesus and said, we've been hearing about it. Now show us. Thomas said, I will not believe lest I thrust my hand into his wound. What do we have to have today to believe that God is still running the show? What do we have, God, what does God have to do to make us realize that we're important right where we are? God died for us. He's living for us. He's coming back for us. What does God have to do to make us realize we're important and God wants to do something in our life? You are not an insignificant nobody. You are bought by the blood of the Lamb. You have a mansion in heaven. And Jesus is coming back just for you. What does he have to do to make you feel like you're important? And that God loves you. The blindness of unbelief. Unbelief denies heaven's gift while looking for a heavenly sign. Unbelief seeks a sign instead of looking at the Savior. You just, Jesus, notice verse 11. I want you to notice the progress now. The blindness of unbelief. Verse 11, they begin to question. Verse 12, he sighed deeply in his spirit. Verse 13, And he left them. Is there a place that you might come to where he answers no more questions? He rallies not at your trumpet blowing and he just leaves. And I preach and all you worry about is what time is it? Or who's here? And I preach, and there's no tears no more. I preach, and there's no staring of the emotions. I preach, and there's no wrecking of the will to do or to please God. I preach, and you sat like a knot on the log. I preach, and you're cold and indifferent. What's happened? He left. God is not going to answer To your beckoning call. You will have to answer to his. The blindness of unbelief. I wish I had time to talk to you about the boldness of unbelief. Boldness. An atheist, an agnostic. Here these folks in verse 11 blatantly, boldly refuse to believe. Now you know why. They wanted a sign because sign would have removed all need for faith. Show me something. I can believe it. Believe something and then you can see it. Those Pharisees was fighting against faith. They've been taught all their life. It's law, it's obedience, it's works, and so forth and so on. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, no more works. It's by grace through faith. 
And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And those Pharisees, that religious crowd said, I refuse to believe. And Jesus left. Well, I just can't believe. Well, hang on. The boldness of unbelief. Now you might say, preacher, you're reaching here. But the bayonet of unbelief. See, a bayonet is a little sticky gadget they put on the end of a, of a, of a rifle. It's used for stabbing, wounding, and even killing. Could I please show you verse 12? And the Bible said their unbelief. And the Bible says in verse number 12, and he sighed deeply in his spirit. What made Jesus sigh deeply in his spirit? What pricked Jesus to his very soul and spirit? What was it, bless your heart, that broke not his heart, but absolutely destroyed and, and, and absolutely pierced his inner spirit? Unbelief. Jesus said, how can I do all I've done? And you still be draped in unbelief. If Jesus never did another thing for me, he's been good to me. But now let me tell you something. My faith does not depend on how good God's been to me. My faith is not in things and in happenings. It is in a person and the person will never let you down. Amen. He's faithful. He's true. And he'll never let you down. And what has happened here is, is their unbelief. All that Jesus has done. The miracles. The kindness. The love shown forth. And Jesus had just pierced him like a bayonet to the heart. Because of unbelief. You carrying your bayonet with you today? Jesus has handled everything in your life except this one. He can't handle this one. This one is too huge. This one is too big. This one is too monstrosity. (laughs) Pierced. He sighed. Deeply in his spirit. Dear God, I don't want to do that to my Lord. Amen. Huh? You say, preacher, if I had your money and, and, and as pretty as you are, I'd never worry about a thing. <laughs> yeah, you'd worry about keeping your money and staying pretty. <laughs> well, you know, it's that step. I learned that about Billy Bob last night. <laughs> or Billy Bibbs. No, it wasn't Billy Bob's. Billy Bibbs over at my house. When they built these platforms and stuff, they put unlevel places in them. So I step in them, I stumble. The blindness. 
of unbelief. The boldness of unbelief. Notice, if you would please, the backlash of unbelief. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being tormented in those flames. Twice in Hebrews it says, and they could not enter in because of their unbelief. I see the backlash of unbelief. Unbelief produces blindness. Oh, how many folks the devil has blinded today to the goodness and graciousness of God. Isn't it amazing? You say, preacher, are you done? Yes, with that point. The backlash is he left. I don't ever want to bow my head and pray and feel like my prayers are going nowhere. I don't ever want to read my Bible and all I find is black print on white pages. I do not want to feel the backlash or the the bayonet of unbelief. Oh, I might pray once in a while, dear Lord, help my unbelief. But I do not want to be blinded to the things of God. We're in about one loaf. By the way, if that's the loaf God wants me to eat, then I ain't going to go to H-E-B. I'm going to eat that one. Sometimes we don't like the loaf God pitches in our boat, so we want to change boats. Wasn't time to change boats. It's time to trust God. It wasn't time to get in your canoe and go to 7-Eleven and get you another loaf. God knew how many loaves. Their problem was is too busy looking at the physical. They missed the spiritual. Come on now, can anybody say amen? I need an amen. Oh yes, I see a problem. Secondly, I see the procurement. I doubt if Andrew can spell that. (laughs) Oh, oh, back there he is. I know JT can't spell it. Wake up, JT. I know you went coon hunting last night and was out all night. Wake up. (laughs) See? Oh, he is looking up the dictionary. That's what he said. Thanks, brother. Notice this. Now watch this. Watch this. I want to hurry. Verse 13. And he left and entered into the ship again. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. And blah, blah, blah. And we get down to verse number 17. When Jesus saw it, when Jesus knew it, he said to them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? What are you worried about? One loaf of bread is sufficient 
to feed you 13 hungry Baptists. Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Here it is. Have ye your heart yet hardened? You know what unbelief will do? It'll give you a hard heart. Well, I thought God loved us more than this. One loaf for all of these. Uh, you think maybe Peter might have took the loaf and hit James over the head and said, Why'd you forget? <laughs> Flatbread. <laughs> think about it now. The Lord has just gone through an excruciating, painful situation with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Herod. And he's sitting in the boat, milling over what has happened. And he hears a rumble in the back of the boat. They're fighting over that loaf of bread. <laughs> Twelve of them fighting over that loaf of bread. Well, I don't know who's going to do without, but bless God, I know one thing I'm not going to. James said, I passed the church. I'm eating. He looks at Peter and said, you mow the yards. You'll wait till I get through eating. What's going on in the boat? All over. One loaf of bread. What's going on in your boat? It's causing all the rigmarole and frustration. Now, what you need to do is realize you handle your boat and let somebody else handle theirs. The problem is when you try to get in somebody else's boat. And I don't need in your boat. I don't want in your boat. I don't even like the color of your boat. You got dogs in your boat. I don't want dogs in my boat. You got cats in your boat. I don't want cats in my boat. Just stay in your own boat for a while. Because Jesus knows what's in the boat. But the problem was something that happened to give those disciples a hard heart. Now I know that would never happen at Joshua Baptist Church. Nothing ever happens here that would cause conflict, talk, I know. What's going on in this boat? Well, don't tell me. Just keep me ignorant of what's going on in the boat. Because I just believe God can handle what's going on in the boat. And I don't think he needs me or you to handle it. I think he can handle that job all by himself. And let me tell you something. He's pretty good keeping the boat straight. He knows exactly what to do. Keep water out of the boat. Amen. Amen. And I just saw that the problem was is they had procured or obtained or developed a hard heart. 
could I ask you, is your heart right with God right now? Do you know somebody that needs to get right? You've been pointing your finger at somebody that needed to get right. Verse 14 through 16 says that they were busy living for the moment. They were caught up with that loaf of bread. And Jesus told them to beware of the leaven, the doctrine, the philosophy, the lifestyle of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And these guys were so tuned into bread, so tuned in to now, so tuned in to need, they missed a spiritual lesson. They said he must be talking about bread because he's talking about yeast. Beware of the yeast or the leaven that you put in bread because you got to watch it. It's a very small amount, but in just no time, it just overtakes the whole loaf. What he's saying is there's something more important than your loaf of bread. It's the whole. And what you need to do, disciples and church, you need to be very careful with that little bitty sin because it's like leaven. It'll rotten the whole lump. See, the disciples just as blind as the Pharisees. Pharisees is looking at the religion. The disciples are spiritual. They're looking at their loaf of bread. What are you looking at? I thought this would go over better, but I don't guess it is going to. I just... We'll close with verse 18 if you like. Notice how they developed that hardened heart. Verse 18. Notice this now. They developed a hard heart by not looking, having eyes, see you not. Have you been looking lately? What are you looking at? Having eyes, but you don't see. You guys have light, but you're sitting in darkness. You have eyes, but you're not looking. How long has it been since you sat down and just looked at where you used to be? Mm-hmm. On your way to hell. Some of you hooked on drugs. Some of you hooked on pornography. Some of you just hooked. And how long has it been since you just sat down and looked at where you used to be? And how many of you looked at where you are? 
Dear God, I, I, if I don't do one thing, thank God, I, I have not had a hangover since I've been saved. Because I only drink the best stuff. <laughs> I have not been whooped but a few times since I've been saved. Huh? I've not laid down in one bed at night and that sucker go, not one. Not one. All of my beds now are steady. You know what we do? We develop a hard heart by not looking at where we were, where we are, and who he is. It's not about us. It's not about this church. It's about Jesus Christ. And we need to get our eyes off a bunch of bunch of loaves and a bunch of fishes and get them back on him. And we need to develop eyes that will see. Notice, we get a hard heart when we are not listening. Ears that hear not. I preach. You say, amen. You leave, do the same dumb thing. I preach. That church is important. And you live like it's almost important. Something else is more important. Something came up while the race is going on. My pet rock's having pebbles. Dear God, I can't miss church and I cannot do what God wants me to do. I got to watch these labor pains that my pet rock is having. You know what? You know how you'll develop a hard heart? Having ears and not hearing. The Bible said, let, uh, let, he, let him hear what the Spirit said. He that hath ear, let him hear what the Spirit. Have you got an ear for the Spirit of God? Have you got an ear for the Word of God? Have you got an ear for the Son of God? If you don't, it's because your heart is hardened. You can tell if it's hard or not. You're mad at me right now. We develop a hard heart by not learning. Notice it says. And do you not remember. How easy it is to forget how good God has been to us. Have you learned anything from yesterday. We have not learned. The Pharisees and the disciples. How in the world can the disciples question our Lord? After seeing the miracles that they've seen. How can they do it? Hard heart. That's how we do it too. We fail to remember the past. Preacher, how, how, how are you going to, how are you going to finish the same way we've been doing it for 27 years? So how are you going to pay the bill? Same way we were 27 years. How are we going to reach people for Christ? Same way we have 27 years. Knocking on doors, praying, crying, weeping, bringing our sheaves with us. What have you learned in the last 27 years? I'll tell you one thing. If I mess up one marriage, 
Surely I'll learn something in that and be a halfway husband in the next one. Amen. Amen. You say, well, preacher, you ought not talk about divorce. My soul, not talk about divorce today. Now, I got news for you. Evidently, some of you didn't want the one you had. So make the best out of the one you got. You say, who are you talking to? You. Don't blame me for all your dumb mistakes. Don't blame me for all your dumb decisions. Don't blame our church for all this. Don't let your heart get hard because you're missing a spiritual lesson that you need to learn. You say, this Sunday morning, you won't not be talking like that. Shut up. <laughs> Remember. Amen. Amen. One reason I don't fight no more, because I remember the last one. <laughs> My wife don't have to worry about me leaving her. Man, I've died and gone to love heaven. She, I learned enough. I don't need another. Amen. When I get to heaven, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Solomon <laughs> a few questions on how to appease mother-in-laws. And I'm going to ask him. Amen. And he's wise. I know that. But you know what? We need to have eyes that will look and learn. Learn, bless God, from the past. Learn from great Bible characters. Learn from what this book says. Learn by every principle and every precept. We need to look at it, Betty, and we need to look at it, and we need to hear it, and we need to remember it. That's how we keep from having a hard heart. We need to remember his promises. He promised that he'd destroy the earth by flood. He did. He promised that he'd uh, that he'd send the Messiah, and he did. Amen. He promised you destroy this temple, and he'll raise it up in three days, and he did. He promised he's coming back, and he will. Quit worrying about the one loaf you got. Quit worrying about what you can't see. Start trusting God with what you have. And all of God's people said, I'm glad you learned procurement. You know how good God is. I'll not cover it. The next thing in the sermon was the plan, and I'll not cover it. But now the disciples are blind. The Pharisees are blind. The Sadducees are sad, you see, because they're blind. Herod is blind. And the next story, Jesus heals a blind man. Hmm? 
That blind man is the only one in all the Bible that Jesus had to go back twice. Dealing with all the blindness of the Pharisees, they're still hanging around. Dealing with the blindness of the disciples, they're still around. And Jesus takes a literal event and teaches a spiritual lesson. The man is completely blind. So is the Pharisees. And Jesus uses a particular method and asks the man, can you see? He said, I see men as trees. Better, but blurry. Those disciples was in the boat. They believed. They were saved. But it was blurry. Come on now. Now be honest. In your situation, it might be kind of blurry right now. Oh, he's been good through the past. Yes, he has. He's fed. But now that's one loaf that you're dealing with right now. Kind of blurry, is it? Kind of blurry. You see, we're saved and given sight, but we can't see everything. Faith does not see everything. That is a progressing. That is a progression. See, when I started this church, I almost had a nervous breakdown wearing about $600 a month payment. That's what it costs us to lease the first property, $600 a month. I was about to have a nervous breakdown. I didn't know what in the world I was going to do. $600 a month plus utilities. (laughs) What in the world are we going to do? Now it's almost $5,000 a week. (laughs) What am I going to do? (laughs) Insurance. Into the thousands of dollars a year. Thousands. Not, not. <laughs> Loaf looking awful small. You having that problem? Sure you do. If you're a Christian, you're living for God and trying to trust God and live for God, you got those blurry pictures you're looking at. You just don't know how in the world this thing going to work out. Amen, Brother Jim? Just don't understand. Sickness, can't work. Just, just barely, barely scraping through. Some of our folks, $5 a month leftover is all they have after they pay everything. That would be blurry to me. Would it be blurry to you? Amen. Obamacare, 73, Blurry. <laughs> 73 pull the plug on the old man he's not much worth don't pay any more of his hospitalization be real particular be real particular about what you okay for a 73 year old man well he's just a burden on society 
It's going to get blurry. But that's just the way it is. If you're a sinner unsaved, you're blind. If you're a sinner that is saved, you have partial sight. If you're a sinner, if you're a saved person being sanctified each day, you are getting a little bit more sight every day. And God will feed 5,000. He will feed 4,000. Just help you on the way. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Here's the normal advice to every Christian I know on doing God's will. I think this is good. Do what you feel God wants you to do and to follow your passions. Are you going to follow your heart? Are you going to follow God's word? I feel like this is what God wants me to do. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel good about this. Well, I just feel this is where I need to be. You know, for you, God shouldn't even had his word. Most Christians, God shouldn't even given you his word. You just do what you feel like. Well, my heart, oh, you're what? Deceitfully and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In my heart, I feel. <laughs> Good luck, slick. Jesus said, you do not understand because you have a hard heart. You need to get it right with God. Don't tell me about your life. Tell me about your heart. If your heart is right, your life is right. If your life is wrong, your heart is wrong. And all of God's people said,